What's going on, Manhattan, Junction City, Wami, going anywhere? The internet has enveloped you in its cold embrace. Welcome back to Training Camp with yours truly. Hi, at Top McCain Auditorium. Behind the the gray microphone, you know the whole you know the whole spiel. I need what to up? I need to come up with a better one. I'm joined tonight by uh, Jasmine Halberton and John Grove. The eleventh Doctor is uh, not going to be joining us tonight, but that's okay. He has some important stuff to be taking care of at home. So where's, where's VF in the chant when you need it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, too too bad, too bad. I think he would have enjoyed tonight's show. Maybe he's listening. In. Maybe he's listening. In. So Matt, you're missed if you are. Um, so all right, let's just go ahead and jump right into this. So Kansas State, the Big Twelve tournament, March Madness. First of all. Previewing John Grove's bracketology oh, here at the end of the show, so that's gonna be that's gonna be exciting. And then also, first of all, we just need to uh, we need to give a a very stiff round of applause. And I and I usually play this flippantly, but this is actual like a round of applause. Wildcat ninety one nine went to the Intercollegiate Broadcasting Systems Awards and essentially won the national championship. Hey, uh, hey, hey. Wildcat 919 uh, won the best station, best student radio station at the collegiate level Woo. for a population of over 10,000 students. So uh, that essentially means like Power 5, Power 5. Uh, we won four national awards. We had 18 nominations, 18 finalists. We won four national awards. And uh, yeah, pretty cool indeed for Wildcat 919, but then the most important one outside of the 10,000. That's pretty good. That That's like we got to the final four. But then we won the Abraham and Borst Award, which essentially means we're the champions. Bring him, baby. We're, we're the champions. We need we, rings. We the best. Rings. We need rings. We, Ring me. We, rings. We, we had class right before this, and and if it wasn't for everybody else in the class, we'd be we'd be looking at rings. Uh, I shoot. I'm I'm I might say, can, is there any way we can just default on this? Like, can we can we make it X it's, amount of dollars per person, and then you just get to buy the thing that you want? I don't know, cause I I, I want a ring, man. I agree. I want ring man i think it, that's a good route to go it's hard to, it's hard to think when we don't know the actual budget <laughs> Fair. about what well what, what to get because we had a whole list of things about the possible things we could possibly get. it depends if we don't got a lot of money it's probably gonna be t-shirts and hats uh if we got a medium amount maybe everyone gets like a yeti cup or something but if it's like oh we got some money money to spend I say we need to make the best of it and get some rings. Yeah, and rings I, are a trip. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I totally feel that. But uh, first of all, we just are so thankful for Wildcat ninety one nine. All the folks that uh, were doing work. Congrats, to Dawson Wagner, our, uh, uh, our main director of uh, programming, a programming director. Jeez, I couldn't think of the title. Programming director. He won uh, an individual award. That's pretty cool. And the station did really well as well. So you also it, won something. Yeah, you won something. Yes, yeah. Mr. Humble Pie. I, 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 do you Fist? realize how bad it sounds if Bro. I'm like, and uh, you know, I won Bro, something. Bro, pop your collar. Pop. Uh, you were literally wearing a collar. Pop it. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna pop it. I'll unbutton it. Best graduate. You can use your your little vest collar. Assistant. Just you just pop it. I can't you, talk. You, you pop it. Just pop. yeah. There, there you go. go. That, I, you know, yeah. I'll I'll want We'll have a lesson later. Okay. <laughs> we'll have a lesson later. All right. Well, the thought was there. Yes, I did win an award, and I I. I just didn't want to make it look like I was beating on my chest. All right, so I, because it, it's this. This is more about the station, it, folks. This is this is a massive award. We literally won the national championship. We this is like we went to the final four and then we beat KU in the natty. Not really. They won one award over at KJHK. We have nothing against KJHK, so good for them. But cool uh, but uh, yeah, Wildcat ninety one nine tied for the most uh, awards won at the Power Five conference. We tied with Temple. 
Uh, but that's okay. So it's it's all good. Congrats to us. Big time stuff. All right. Now we are on, big time. Yeah, we the well, best. Why can I is, is big time, folks? And uh, it's it is big time indeed. All right. So Kansas State destroyed Oklahoma. Just absolutely flattened them on senior night last night in Bramlage. And uh, it was it was quite the performance. K State was down a little bit early. Um, then it had a surge towards the end of the first half to take it into halftime 34 to twenty five nine point advantage, and then outscored Oklahoma fifty one to forty four to win eighty five to sixty nine. Uh, in the second half, it was a dominant performance by the seniors, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, most most specifically, Naquan Tomlin. He went eight of nine from the field, two of two from three. Five rebounds, 19 points. Keontae Johnson went 7 of 12 from the field. Two of four from three, five rebounds. Two assists, 16 points. Um, Cam Carter went uh, two of five from the field. Two of three from three, five rebounds, seven points. Marquise Noel went three of nine from the field. Three of five from three-point land. Three rebounds, 10 assists, and 11 points. And then Desi Sills popped off, had another great night. Five of nine. He went 0 from two. From three-point land, also had nine rebounds, eight assists, and he had 15 points. David Gasson had a thunderous dunk that made Sports Center as number five on the Sports Center top ten last night. Um, from a between the legs, behind the back pass from Marquise Noel to Gasson to slam it home on the dunk, which is uh, which is pretty great. So, what can I say? Kansas State they shot 77 percent in the second half after shooting in the low 30s in the first. So that was uh, pretty impressive. And now, all right, do they do they need the win against West Virginia this this weekend to solidify a two seed in the Big 12 tournament? I, I would say most expectingly, yes. Um, you uh, a few weeks back. K-State, I mean, you, you want to talk about the two-game losing skid with Oklahoma and Texas Tech. It looked as if K-State was on, kind of teetering on that top four seed. But if K-State w- wants to maintain, uh, but now you're on a, w- a hot win streak, and uh, the further you move up, uh, March ma- uh, the, the tournament committee is going to evaluate uh, the location uh, impact a, a lot more as well. We're seeing it with KU as well. They're winning, uh, they're winning a lot of games, and they're expecting to take – the Midwest region in Kansas City for the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight matchups. Don't know if that's going to be the case with K-State, but if they can pull off a win over West Virginia and do some dirty work in the Big 12 tournament, um, you could see them in uh, in, in a close uh, regional site such as Des Moines or Denver uh, in the first weekend of March Madness. Well, and so then you got West Virginia in Morgantown. That's going to be their senior night. They came off a tough loss to Kansas, uh, which sucks. I wanted to see them pull they, off that they, upset. They beat Iowa State in Ames on Monday. That's true. They did beat Iowa State in Ames on Monday. Uh, a couple of, of folks to look for. Stevenson, uh, their guard, he scores 15 and 0.2 points per game. Bell Jr., he's a forward, uh, 5.4 points per game. Johnson, another guard, 3.2 assists. Um, overall, they shoot 45% from the field, 73% at the free throw line and 35% from three. So you definitely don't want to leave any of these guys particularly open, especially Stevenson. He shoots uh, 39.5%, so 40% from three. That's very impressive. Uh, so you just need to keep an eyeball on him, make sure that they're – the K-State's perimeter defense, I think, is what's going to be kind of the make or break for this game. If you let West Virginia take open shots, Kansas State against Oklahoma State um, was able to not – 
defend the perimeter as intensely as they probably would otherwise because Oklahoma State is trash uh, from three. They're yeah. they're really bad. Very so they were just kind of like, okay, you take that shot. We're we're hedging our bets that you're gonna miss that. And uh, they they were pretty decent bets to hedge all around. But uh, Jasmine, what does Kansas State need to do to pull off a W against West Virginia in Morgantown this weekend to clinch that number two seed for the Big Twelve tournament? Honestly, it's a couple of things because Bell Jr., their forward, is another big that, you know, we've we've had our problems, fair share of problems in the Big 12 with dealing with certain kind of bigs, even though he's not been a huge, like very productive in their offense a lot. But, you know, when you want to attack a team's weakest position, you use what's best, and that would be with Bell Jr. for them. But also with Stevenson, you have to to put a body on him at all times (laughs) because he's such a, he's a 40, just about a 40%. shooter from the three-point range right he but he's a guard who's always moving that's that's probably his most dangerous aspect the man is always moving he's no spot-up shooter to where you leave and he just open the man moves all across the floor and he's and he's a catch and shoot his his quick release probably one of the fastest if not the fastest in the big 12 that is a very so quick release. it is a very very quick release so a body has to be attached to him literally at all times if you can kind of control that and that's pretty that's pretty much it they have another good guard in Toussaint but you know he's kind of spotty but you have to let you know Toussaint beat you you do not want to have uh Stevenson you know jacking up threes because I think the last I want to say three four games he's been averaging like 20 points because because of how what because of his quick release so I'd say of course that perimeter defense you're talking about but a body has to be on that man all 40 minutes can't let Toussaint as well as Emmett Matthews Jr. Make a make a late run. Uh, they scored the last ten out of twelve points to win at, at Iowa State as well. So they can get hot late in case they've got to keep keep a little bit of a guard. I mean, you you know they had a little bit of an uh, easy handling lead. Oklahoma tried to come back though. It was it was a ten point margin, and they could really change uh, flip the script if if not for the Tanner Groves uh, flagrant two foul as well. Very true. Yeah, that I I wasn't able to watch that. Um, what exactly happened? Because I mean, Wyatt and Stan were hot on the radio, okay. which I thought was pretty funny. I, I I I was I was able to you know finagle my way onto the court side and I kind of like saw him because he obviously Tanner Groves was very frustrated because he's obviously one of Oklahoma's top players and he only had like what two points, <laughs> two three points the entire game maybe. So he's already frustrated at that point and. Let's be honest. K State was whooping that ass yesterday. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they 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 was they was whooping that ass, right? So he got the ball. You know, Desi Seals, obviously high energy guy. He you know he was in him. He was you know body to body, and then he had had the ball in his hands, and he was you know swinging it with elbows, trying to go up and hit Desi in the face. And you know, I guess it was frustration enough with it to where he was ejected. That would have been, I think, because they called that a flagrant too. Yeah. But he was yeah. already on four fouls at that time, so it would he would have been out the game regardless. Of, of what they turned out to be but it just it was a frustrating night for him and he took that frustration at the wrong time and hit Desi in the face with his elbows he becomes he becomes the second Oklahoma player to get ejected after a flagrant two foul because Brady Manick uh one senior night uh in Manhattan against Oklahoma Brady Manick had another flagrant two foul as well so really a little was bit that? of a tidbit I believe Cole Manback came came up with that but nice that could be wrong. wow Nice. Fascinating. Speaking of Cole Manbeck, uh, be sure to tune around on the podcast uh, tomorrow because I'm going to be doing an exclusive interview with Cole Manbeck. Uh, and we're going to be talking a little about, about K-State hoops and some of the stuff coming up. All right, coming up next, we got our jabronis of the week. You don't want to step away because we're going to have a lot of fun. Jabronis of the week. 
Welcome back to the action here on Training Camp with yours truly on Wildcat 91.9, the public radio alternative. Uh, we've got a fantastic segment of jabronis coming up. But before we before we kick off the jabroni of the week, I just wanted to say, first of all, we didn't finish exactly everything I wanted to talk about with West Virginia. And here's why. Because I just thought, I, you know me. All my listeners at this point, you know how I feel about the institution down the road. Okay? Um, and I... I dare I say I speak about them again because I don't want to be accused of this being like so much about them that it, it you know it's Kansas State but I I have to comment on this cuz I just thought it was hilarious. Um Bob Huggins came out there's an entire sports illustrated article about it and it says Huggins says what we're all thinking when it comes to KU's home dominance written by Skylar Callahan on February 24th. And it says, With Saturday's loss to Kansas, the Mountaineers now sit at 16-13 and 13 on the sea. Oops, did I get ahead of myself? Pardon me, I just assumed that with the game being played at Kansas, we could go ahead and chalk it up as a loss for West Virginia. <laughs> That's not a shot at the players, it's just reality. Very few visitors leave Fog Allen Fieldhouse with a smile on their face. Oftentimes it ends in frustration from blowing a double-digit lead or a coach getting ejected for not taking a liking to how the game is being officiated. Bob Huggins has seen it happen all too often. His teams are 0-10 all-time playing at the Fog, but have come close to winning on several occasions, including last week. For various reasons, things fell apart, and it left West Virginia with the same result each trip out a loss. Bill Self has a home record of 305-17, and which spans across 20 seasons. Losing 17 games in 20 years in a building you play in close to 20 times a year is unheard of. There's no other venue in college basketball that has seen that type of success. In fact, nothing even comes close. Kansas has always had elite talent, particularly guys that can shoot the ball at a high clip. That's no different with this year's team who went 11 of 24 from three-point range in the first matchup with West Virginia. While noting their shooting prowess, Huggins slid in a comment about how lucky the Jayhawks have been over the years. Quote, I think their shot-making ability affects everybody. They make shots. They make shots, but they're also getting a ton of breaks. If you want to look back over the history of the deal, I mean, come on. They've gotten incredible breaks that nobody else has got. Nobody else gets outside here. Why is it that no matter how well West Virginia plays, they always fall short? Well, if you watched each of the 10 West Virginia-Kansas matchup in Lawrence, it's fairly obvious. Quote, what we ought to do is we ought to go back and look at a lot of the games that we're that were played there and then you would know Huggins said I mean you'd seen it with your own two eyes and then I think you could make quite a case as to why they win there all the time and that's how the article finishes that's Damn. reported by by Sports Illustrated folks uh huh. and and I and I know that it's going to cause controversy and people are going to be like oh uh, Huggy is just a, a terrible loser and well, whatever yeah maybe I mean he's he seems like a scary person to interview. I, uh, I was like, like uh, close to Bill Belichick levels. Scary he, I, I would almost rather interview Bill Belichick. Um, he's he's a, he's at Sean Payton level mm. to me. I do not want to speak to Sean Payton as a reporter, <laughs> uh, as a journalist, as a broadcaster of any kind. Um, <clears throat> unless you're Colin Cowherd, and then he, Sean Payton, and Colin Cowherd get along smashingly. But maybe it's because it's television and it's in a chill setting and not after a game that they lost or whatever. Um, but Huggy is just a oof. I would never want to interview that man. <laughs> He looks scary, scary, scary. But I just thought it was interesting because Bob Huggins is one of the few people that actually gets up and says, come on, bro. Like, we're not. Why is it like if you look at the if you look at the statistics, KU, that's absurd. That is nuts. And statistically, they're an outlier. Why are they an outlier? 
Why, why is it that they've lost 17 home games in 20 years? Like, they're not the only blue blood with a good home record, but even the Dukes in the North Carolinas, they don't even have it like that. No. Nope. So I, I just, I, I think it's hilarious that, that good old Bob Huggins is out there uh, calling a spade a spade because I, I, I think that's just entertaining. And uh, KU fans hate him for it. That's irrelevant. But uh, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that he seems to be the only person that uh, has the wherewithal to stand up and actually say that. Yeah, he, he said it a lot more bluntly. But Coach Tang, he said something eerily similar the last time we played because they're saying the referees do get, you know, persuaded by the crowd a little bit to make calls or not make certain calls. And I do believe that Huggins is kind of referring to that as well as with close calls or lucky breaks that Kansas would typically get, how the crowd would influence the referees and things like that. So this is already the second time from two different Big 12 coaches in one season that kind of mentioned that. But Coach Huggins is just a little bit more blunt with it. Yeah. So I, I, I got a massive chuckle out of reading that article. So I don't, I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, right after the final game last year uh, for K-State, when they lost to West Virginia, the Mountaineers then would play KU. I know this is not Allen Fieldhouse, um, but this is, this is close to, to KU's home court as it could be. Um, but Bob Huggins got ejected the, uh, in the quarterfinals against KU, and there, apparently there was this clip that was being played um, and Bob Huggins, like as he was walking, he was like, "What are we supposed to do? What, like, what are we, what are we supposed to do?" It, it's just, I mean, he he's not a, he's not afraid to take take a shots, and uh, I I give him the amount of credit because I I, I mean I can't blame him. I mean, it's absurd to have a record like that. Yeah, absolutely absurd. Yeah, and he's one of the few coaches in the Big Twelve that has his pedigree to where he definitely can say it. So I know it's not going to change anything. We by this point, it's not going to change anything, but. It's nice to have maybe something rolling. No, it doesn't. But I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm taking a, a research like a research class right now. And if you go and you and it's all about numbers, it's all about statistics. Mm-hmm. If you go and you look at the numbers, it doesn't make sense. Like it's not it's nowhere close. And I I somebody needs to study maybe me um, as to why their record is that at home. I, that's just that's just nuts. I, I it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and there's a point where it's like, okay, you're not that good. I'm sorry. In the best conference in college basketball, you're 305 and 17 over 20 years. Come on, bro. Like, there's there's no way. There's no way. This the, the, it's just eventually that number has to fix itself. It has to at some point. But I, I and it and it will happen during my lifetime. I feel very confident about that. Bill t- Bill Self is going to retire at some point, and it's sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. All right, but I, I I just I'm shocked that nobody else is standing up and saying there because there there's this idea that you can't speak against officials. And I okay, this is this is a systemic issue for the Big Twelve because it's not just K State people saying this. And I I had a conversation with a guy on Twitter about this the other day. It was actually a really nice collegial conversation. I appreciated it. And it was kind of like he asked me, he said, You complain about calls from time to time. Do you consider yourself a fan or a journalist? Because if you're a journalist, I feel like you shouldn't do that. But if you're a fan, totally get that. I was like, you know, that's a great question because I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle because I'm a student, right? I'm a student. I'm also a journalist. I consider myself like a semi-professional, right? I'm not, I'm not all, I'm not getting exclusively paid to be a journalist. Correct. Okay. Um, But then also I wear purple tinged glasses. First person to admit that. 
Does my hypocrisy know no bounds when it comes to Kansas State? Wholeheartedly, most definitely. At the same time, I do try to be as objective as I possibly can. And um, it's a systemic issue because it's not just K-State fans saying that was a terrible call. Mm -hmm. It's KU fans. It's Iowa State. It's Texas Tech. Texas. Everybody is saying they're so bad right now. They're so bad. And uh, this idea that coaches can't speak out against that is shocking to me. Because in anywhere else in life, you would get to say, um, no. No, you you can't do that. Why do you think that you get to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just is there. I want to know what the what the process is. Is there repercussions? Is there an advisory committee? If you botch a call in a big game, if you botch multiple calls in a big game, do you have to go and speak to somebody, or is it just kind of like you're you're an NCAA official or you're an NBA official? That's it. You've reached the pinnacle. You're you're beholden to nobody. You know, and honestly, because this year is something different about the officials and how terrible it's been. And it's not just Big 12 basketball. It's literally all over the country where there, where the basketball is being played. There's been some horrendous calls and horrendous officiating. And that kind of worries me going into March Madness, how you know every single game has obviously implications to it that can be persuaded by a call or a no call. Mm-hmm. And I'm very terrified how many games will end because of how referees are officiating games yeah because especially because a lot of the problem has been inconsistency whether it's game by game or half by half that's it's hard to you know what's like what's legal and what's not yeah and so when you have games every other day where you have officials different officials every other day it's going to be so hard to get a consistent feel about how referees are going to call games so that's that's a that's a concern of mine going into march madness now yeah and i and i really i i on my twitter i think you'll see where i'll say ooh. They wanted a foul. That's not a foul. Mm-hmm. When I'm calling games and you hear like the crowd roar in the background, I'm like, just watch the replay. That's definitely not a foul. Or the or the the crowds the crowd wants a foul. It's not a foul. Sorry, yeah. folks. Yeah, I really do try to be objective like that. But when I'm, I'm going to take the Oklahoma game uh, or the Oklahoma State game this last weekend as an example of this. It was terrible. The yep. first half was trash. Yep. It was so bad. It was really I mean, bad. They, and then and then you get into halftime. That's when Tang got teed up. Five and a half minutes into the second half, and Oklahoma State's already in the bonus. You're gonna be kidding me! Like what? And then it's like Casey has eight fouls. Oklahoma State has three. Mm-hmm. And there's something really interesting that Jerome Tang said after the KU game, after he got teed up in the KU game because yeah. he was done with a certain official. Um, who is? It's pretty well documented that he is, enjoys himself. Uh, he he thinks that he is the the pièce de résistance of uh, officiating. All right, that's that's well documented. That's yes. not me just saying that. But um, he he said it's not how many fouls you have; it's when you get them. Right? Who's shooting free throws? By the time that you're shooting free throws, right? And I get it. Some teams are more physical than that. But I, I there's there's a point where it's kind of like okay. I'm not stupid. Like, I know enough about this game. Most people have played basketball, right? It's not like football where it's kind of like only some people have played football, right? Most people have played basketball. Basketball is one of those really accessible. You can go out on the court, hoop, go play. Go out in the park, you can play. You can't really do that with football, right? True. Backyard football is tough to do because mm-hmm. you need people to do it. Basketball, you just need five people. You can play You can play pickup uh, at the rec here at K-State. The basketball courts are always full. Like, you can get into games whenever you want, however you want. And so you you learn stuff. You pick up stuff. Most people have basic basketball experience, right? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is different from football, which is different than baseball, which is different than hockey, right? All these other sports where it's kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. 
basketball is kind of one that the average person can go out and, and toss around a basketball, okay? Mm-hmm. Play some basketball. And so the average person understands it. Does that mean that the average person is well-informed enough to be an official? No, absolutely not. Do I think that being an official is a very tough job? Yes, I do. But but there's there's no consistency. And that's what concerns me, like Jasmine said. That's what concerns me. There's absolutely no consistency in from just from half to half. And it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And it's hilarious to me that Jerome Tang has to go get a technical to go change that. Why? 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 Why are 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 the officials these days so infallible in their own mind that it takes Jerome Tang like almost blowing a gasket on the sideline? I've talked to the dude, super quiet, super chill. Him freaking out at the sideline is also is my spirit animal, first of all. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> but second of all, the amount of frustration he must feel to freak out like that because he just doesn't. That's not him. That's not his. He's an intense person, but he's not angry and he was angry he was mad every time he's been teed up it's because he was mad at the call and uh, i i just i think it's fascinating it's a fascinating thing to discuss but consistency is definitely an issue and you're right jasmine implications implications Implications. for march madness and so uh, i just thought it was interesting that bob huggins because it's like it's like this eyes wide shut party right we all have to sit back and say oh yeah the officials know what they're doing I'm like, I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe that. I, I'm not convinced that they are, and I'm not convinced that they do. So what? What are we? What are we talking about here, bro? Like, I just, I just don't understand. So, um, that's that's my personal philosophy on this whole officiating business. Do I want to be the fan that's out there? railing on the officials all the time no because that takes the fun out of it you know Mm -hmm. bad calls happen officials are human i get it totally understand that but sometimes it's just kind of like what what am i watching what am i watching like there has to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere yeah somewhere somewhere and and as far as i know there's no committee there's no advisory board it's once you're there you're in they're like politicians you're in and there's no there's no term conditions right as long as you're in and you get voted in, you can be there continuously until you die, right? <laughs> or until you retire. Yeah. And, and you can do whatever you want, and nobody can stop you. And that's kind of how I feel about officials in college basketball and the NBA right now. And I don't watch a whole lot of NBA, but I was doing my research on this the other day, and um, it's it's bad in the NBA, too. It's it's soft in the NBA. Yes, it's, it is. It's really bad. As someone who does watch a lot of NBA, it is. Yeah. Well, it coming is. up next, we're going to actually do our jabronis, but uh, we, we had to divert on that because I was proud of Bob Huggins for being the 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 every man's person and standing up and uh, the every person's person and standing up and saying what every all of us are thinking out loud. I just love that that was the 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 title from the Sports Illustrated article. Mm-hmm. He said what everyone's thinking about Allen Fieldhouse. Yep, that's true. All right, coming up next, Jabronis of the week. Welcome back to training camp with yours truly. Uh, I always love playing that little operatic section. Gets me back to my roots as the only operatic sports broadcaster in history. So if you want to go check out my content, go to youtube.com slash Colby Van Camp. You can also find me on Twitter at KG Van Camp, V-A-N-C-A-M-P. It's same for Instagram. And then uh, we got a host of, of podcasts that we can talk about here in just a second. But first, we need to get to the Jabronis of the week. We got kind of sidetracked there, but it was a good sidetrack. I feel like we were solving the world's issues. Agreed. Not really. We're just complaining about them, but uh, <laughs> it's it's good. It's all good. All right. Who wants to go first for the Jabroni of the Week? Okay, I guess it's me. I, is it Jas- it's Jasmine. All right. I guess it's me. Okay, honestly, I thought of two Jabronis, Heike. Uh, I don't know if one of them is yours. I don't think so. But I thought of two Jabronis. One was kind of, I don't want to say hilarious, but it was interesting to witness. Okay. Um, so right. the women's SEC basketball tournament is, you know, just recently started. And 
only two teams in the SEC I pay attention to is South Carolina and LSU because they're the two best teams. But I saw on my phone a little ESPN alert that there was eight players ejected between Kentucky and Florida. And those two teams, let's be honest, they're 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 trash. They're they're not very good. <laughs> but the fact that there's because you don't see scuffles. Like one, you don't see scuffles a whole bunch, you know, in this day and age. In two, you definitely don't see scuffles in women's basketball. But apparently there was enough of a scuffle to have eight players ejected. And I thought that was kind of funny because it also took two minutes, 22 minutes to sort out too. So 22 minutes of of game time absolutely in the garbage because they're trying to figure out who to hand out technicals and who to, to and who to eject. So I thought that was kind of funny to to witness a little bit because you don't see that in the women's game of, and also someone's mom from the stand try to hop try to hop the hop the stand to try to get trying to get into the action because her daughter was apparently I don't I don't know. There was a whole oh, shoot. So I thought that was funny. So there's you can there's a lot of jabronis over there. I thought that was fun. But however, something I did recently find out kind of in the middle of the night last night because I totally missed it. Apparently, Caleb Grill is no longer with the Iowa State Cyclones. He has been dismissed from the team. That's, he's from Wichita, right? That's Mr. Wichita. He's from Wichita, and Anthony George is a sports director. He knows uh, Caleb Grill very well. Yeah, Oof. and he's he's sorry, Anthony, uh, but he he's been dismissed from the team for he said something. It's speculation about what he said. I think he said to TJ Alsberg or something. I don't know. I do not know. It's just something that he said, and he he's kicked out, and that's gonna be huge because obviously Iowa State they're going to be going to the you know going to the tournament, and I think they have a chance to do really really well. And Caleb Grill, he can you know they've done fairly good with him while he's been on the bench injured and stuff like that. But I still believe he can be a very valuable part to that team, especially in their tournament success. And for him to get himself kicked off of an Iowa State team that could have success in the tournament simply because they're in the Big 12 and at least middle of the pack. That makes him our jabroni of the week. All right. Well, and I, I wanted to say that I saw a tweet that said that uh, Caleb Grill got uh, kicked off the Iowa State team because he told uh, TJ Osberger to uh, wear a shirt that fits him. <laughs> I saw that, too. I wow. saw that, too. Because uh, he's always wearing, like, a muscle shirt, right? Yeah, like he a lo- schmedium. Yeah, he looks like kinda, the uh, schmedium. Like <laughs> he looks like the the Incredible Hulk or something, or, kinda, he's, or he's trying to. Kind of looks like a walking version of Joe Swanson from Family Guy. <laughs> Just a walking muscle. Uh, uh, um, hello, Peter. Uh, <laughs> hello, Peter. Uh, uh, all right. Well, hey, Caleb. Grill, sorry, my man. You jabroni. Yep. You jabroni. Yep. You jabroni. Yep. Yay. All right. What? All right, bro. You're, You're a jabroni. jabroni. Yes, we'll get better. We'll get better. Wow, we're we're getting we're, we're a, getting better. That was the first. That was the first time as well. We still got two so more yeah, to go. So not bad. Not All right, bad. John. Let's hear jabroni. All right, so I, I got a little minor jabroni. This one's take. I I I don't want to take shots here, but my sister Katie was asking for it, and so is her <laughs> and so is her boyfriend. All right, so Ku, uh, who who did they play on? Who did they play on? Texas. Saturday? They played. Oh no no uh, last Saturday. Uh, oh last Saturday. It was. Oh was it Texas? No, they played Texas. They Tech played Texas night. Tech. Uh, yeah. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> so my sister's boyfriend. Big KU fan. He had to he had to take a sacrifice from my sister uh, to watch K State go to the Big Twelve Championship by beating KU uh, in football. So my sister had to owe him had to owe him back, and I, I'm just not particularly pleased because she uh, had to uh, go into the KU student section wearing that crimson and blue. I'm I, I, look I, I, any other team, any other color, fine by me. 
if you're wearing that crimson and blue again, uh, uh, you, you know you're going to get a lot of crap from me. So, Katie, Grove, you, you, you put your, you're a little bit of my jabroni of the week. But that, okay, <laughs> uh, okay, that's to the side. The, the so, turquoise and pink, the the fantastic turquoise and pink. Pretty. Mm-hmm. Turquoise and pink. Pretty. Um, it's, uh, the, the main jabroni is all the KU fans that think Bill Self has a far and away better shot at winning coach of a year over Jerome Tang. Ugh. And I believe the, the, the four finalists will be announced on March 20th. The winner will be announced on uh, April 2nd. Um, but Tang definitely deserves uh, the award. He, I mean, he most definitely deserves to make the final four list. He, I mean, he put it to get, he put together a roster in the offseason that was picked to de- finish dead last in the conference. Two returning players on, on the team, by the way. And he was able to get a slew of transfers, get them to, to kind of gel together on the court. And next thing you know, uh, we, we, I mean, we we, we we were as high as, as number five, folks. We were as fi- high as number five. Uh, we are on the verge of currently being in the top ten. Uh, and apparently that's just not enough uh, these days for you to win Coach of the Year. Meanwhile, Bill Self, who we've seen constantly – uh, be in the consideration for coach of a year. Uh, he, I mean, he he he's likely going to be on that list, and he's expected to probably win Big Twelve Coach of a Year because of homerism. Uh, but looking at some, I mean, just looking at some of the other coaches on this list with Mike Cronin. Uh, I mean, he, I mean, Mike Cronin's done some great stuff already. Calvin Sampson's done great stuff already. Nate Oates at Alabama. I mean, I mean, these are already coaches that we've seen. Uh, we we've seen uh, be successful uh, uh, with their basketball programs. Uh, maybe not to to a lesser extent with Nate Oates because I believe it's his second year with Alabama, but I could be wrong. Um, but my point is, I uh, I mean, this was the coach that was Jerome Tang, but he was he was not even proven. He was not even proven at all uh, prior to prior to even. Uh, uh, starting off against Washburn in the Division Two game, like nobody knew what to expect, and that comes from me as well. I didn't know what to expect, um, but but based on all the resumes that I've been seeing, Jerome Tang has as good as anybody to win the award, and and, and I think honestly he should be the front runner. I mean, you have a Tang. I mean, Sean Miller. Dennis Gates of Missouri, he's doing a good job. Uh, and Ronnie Terry, he's also doing good. But, I mean, Jerome Tang has taken this program. I mean, he's fully elevated. There's no other way to say that. And, and, KU's, and KU fans are saying, oh, oh it's Bell Self. He deserves, to, he deserves to have Coach of the Year. He's already been in that in that consideration i mean we, we we'd seen it before uh i mean despite it's not even a rebuild for ku it's a reload for k-state it was it was a complete rebuild again we had two players so de- i mean depending on no no matter how how they finishes whether it's good or bad jerome tang makes makes a simple case uh with um with the, with the players he's coached um, just with his overall philosophy, uh, he should be chosen as a top ten semifinalist. And the KU fans just can't get o- can't go over the fact that they just think way too highly of Bill Self, despite the fact uh, that that he's already been up there. Uh, it's just uh, well, he, he's done a great job, and and I'll give him all the credit in the, in the world. Um, but but what Jerome Tang has done at K State so far has been far more successful than what anybody in the entire nation has as as expected. So and I think and I think that deserves to be awarded. You uh you you forget that Bill Self is reloaded on a team that doesn't have Mitch Lightfoot. Yeah. I, I, See? That's I, a critical point. We we talked about this last week and it, like 
we can't under, underscore the difference that Mitch Lightfoot made with his four points average off the bench last year. And his and his absolute uh, just. He, he was just going after, his, especially his, on the on the bench. His his dominant Twitter presence. I don't know what we're gonna do without him. Uh, I don't know what I don't know, I don't know what, what do I don't know what Kansas him. is gonna do without him. All right. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's your jabroni of the week. You jabroni. Oh wait, 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 wait. What were we gonna do? Oh yeah. Come on, bruh. You're, You're a jabroni. jabroni. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was getting to it. I was getting You're to it. Practice. <laughs> Don't worry. I was getting there to it. We're All getting, right. We're getting there. Getting to my jabroni real fast. There we go. Because uh, we're coming up on our next break. But uh, there's a there's a Yuli on Twitter um, made this hilarious. I couldn't tell. In all in all seriousness, I could not tell if this was supposed to be satire or not. But it came across in such a non-satire way that I was like, I, I have to I have to comment on this. So John John Rothstein on Twitter says Kansas State's Jerome Tang is college hoops today's national coach of the year. So Jerome Tang picks up a national coach of the year. It's not the Naismith, but it's it's a national coach of the year award. And then uh, Big East Barroom comments and says really weird way to spell Shaka Smart. And I'm like, okay. And then Yuli comes in and says. He, uh, he was named a finalist. This also pushes my agenda that Butler should replace Kansas State in the tourney. What? Huh? Who? What? Why? The Butler should replace Kansas State in the NCAA tournament? What? What's their record? What are you smoking? I, I, just because you won, but this isn't this isn't like those those imperialism maps that you can get uh, that like Big Game Boomer puts out, right? It's just because you beat us does not in fact mean that you deserve our spot in the tournament. Uh, how many quad one wins do you have? Oh wait, I'll wait. Um, so like, look, come on, I, I just was absolutely blown away by this, and that's why I was like, I had to read it multiple times and say to myself, is this satire? Is this really satire? Or is this someone just being butthurt? So I guess, and I really think it's someone being butthurt. I retweeted yeah. it, and I was just like, "Bruh!" And they liked it, and I was like, "That's kind of hilarious." Um, but uh, I, I just, I just got a massive, a massive kick out of that. So, uh, yeah, Butler should replace it, Kansas State it, in the it, tournament. It, if we're using that logic, then I guess Texas Tech and Oklahoma, I guess Texas Tech or Oklahoma uh, also deserve that right as well. They should be the number two seed in the country. Yeah, I, I, I am not intimidated one bit. Uh, by by a certain team uh, who would lose to uh, freaking uh, oh jeez I don't even know I mean some of our losses aren't even that bad I you know what I'm not I'm not intimidated by a te- by a fan base that can't get over uh, losing to Seton Hall or St John's it's <laughs> pathetic and sad all right well so anyway uh, that's the jabroni you jabroni you jabroni you jabroni so there we go come on bro but you're, you're a jabroni, jabroni. John. 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 Damn it. John. You were just mad. Just roasting me about this, bro. I I was going to say, I was going to say, bet they miss Brad Steve. John. I'm sorry. You're my jabroni. Come on, bro. You're a jabroni. jabroni. Yeah. You're, you don't. (laughs) I mean, unbelievable. You should have had a boo side effect. John. You you should have a boo. You jabroni. Yeah. I mean, give give me a break. (laughs) Come on. Jeez, John, I, I gotta go all out on my cart wall here. All right, well, jeez, coming up next. Well, I got you out of a woodwork. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Coming up next, gonna talk a little bit of bracketology with Mr. John Grove. Should be a lot of fun. 
Welcome back to the final segment here of Training Camp with yours truly here on Wildcat 91.9, your public radio alternative. A little bit of breaking news just popped up on my Twitter. Gary Patterson has reportedly stepped away from his role at Texas. So uh, how about that? Might be looking for a head coaching gig or he might just be done. Uh, Man, I can't blame him. Why why would he be at that? Hell, hell of a fan base. <laughs> was he, what, was even, what was even his position again? Oh, he was like he was like uh, the the offensive coordinator's coordinator or something like that. He was like, he was the he was, was the like assistant a, was like to the arena the regional he, manager. He was like an analyst. I felt like I was like it was kind of like something low key meaningless. Just just like well here you go. Kind of yeah. like, kind of like that. I know a guy who knows a guy. You can have this job type deal, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it kind of did strike me like that as well. Um, all right. So first of all, I got to say that uh, Jasmine's been uh, doing a lot of stuff with Cam Stokes, hoping to get him on the show because he's uh, apparently just in love with Wildcat ninety one nine, which was fantastic by us. We're always about that. But uh, I, I there, there was an interview came out on a podcast. And I thought it was your podcast at first. I was like, oh, Jasmine made national news, but it wasn't. Sorry, no, sorry, I, Jasmine. I, oh I thought it was. Gosh. Sorry. I thought it was. I was low key excited, and I was like, "Oh, Jasmine, let's go! Like, I, you're 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 all over the place. Let's go!" No, sorry, wasn't. Jasmine um, has put Wildcat ninety one nine on the map. Sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry. sorry guys. It's a, it's okay. But uh, <laughs> he said that if Dean Wade had been healthy, they win the national championship. I saw that, and too. I was like, "Bro, don't don't say that to me because I know deep down it might be true, <sighs> and I don't want to hear that." Stop like, giving me PTSD. No, I just don't know. Uh, uh, anyway, so anyway, that's a. Uh, some tournament talk for you, but uh, let's let's do a real quick take on bracketology, John. I don't know if we're gonna I don't know if we're gonna have time to actually sit through and do the entire bracket. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have you do your top four in each in each um, region. Okay, all right. You're you're the number four, one through four in each region. And but hold on, before you do that, okay. I just want to say that I've been looking at the bracket according to ESPN and their bracketology right now. Kansas State is number two seed in the Eastern Region. Gonna be playing in Des Moines. That's where they have them. They have them in New York, uh, in the New York region, East playing in Des Moines in the round of 64. And um, the first team that they're going to play, it says, is Vermont. That's how, that's who ESPN is projecting, Kansas State, Vermont, in the round of 64. And then the winner of that plays the winner of Michigan State versus Florida Atlantic. I am so, terrified of Michigan State. I am terrified of Michigan State as well. So I uh, I, I do not like that matchup at all. I, I do not like that matchup at all. Hilariously, um, if KU wins in uh, the West against Las Vegas, they play uh, TAMU, Texas A&MU Community College. Uh, Corpus Christi. Yeah, Cor- Corpus Christi. Thank you. Um, and then they would play the winner of Missouri Rutgers. So uh, that's kind of interesting. I'd love to see a Kansas-Missouri matchup uh, for there. But so let's say Kansas State-Vermont happens. Michigan State takes off uh, Florida Atlantic, and it's K-State-Michigan State, two versus seven seed. K-State wins. Then they have to play the winner. So in the next bracket up that they would end up playing in the uh, the Sweet 16. So the, in the round of 64 in Greensboro, they have Creighton and Nevada playing. So whoever wins goes on to the round of 32. And then they have Tennessee versus Furman. So Tennessee is going to win that. And then it comes down to a Creighton or Nevada. So yeah. I think I think Creighton probably wins that. And then you have a Creighton versus Tennessee, which could then potentially be K-State versus Tennessee. Are you kidding me? This is the worst bracket maybe ever for K-State. They have to go through Michigan State. Then they have to go to Tennessee. I'm not and then they might end up playing either Purdue, Arkansas, Miami, or UConn. you got to be kidding uh, me. <laughs> Just to get to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. Insane. 
just nuts. So uh, um, uh, bracketology from ESPN really screwed over Kansas State on that one. Purdue would be an absolute nightmare. That would be because Zach Eady. That would just, just be that would just be the worst. So anyway, and. Andrew Smith at Channel 8 KKSU today. I'm the graduate assistant there. He had said last night we were doing some work, and I and somebody asked him, well, how far do you think he makes it? And he said, I think they lose in the round of 32. And I was like, oh, oh Drew, come on, Drew. Like, show a little bit more faith. Uh, shoot. If this is the actual bracket that we're going to end up with, or if it's anything close to that, shoot, we might be losing in the round of 32. And I love K-State. But uh, dang, that's a gauntlet. Dang. Michigan State to then potentially play Tennessee, to then potentially either play either Purdue, Arkansas, Miami, or UConn. Give me a break, Brett. So uh, that's you hate to have to rely on your advancement because of a Cinderella team, right? And as much I would love to see a Florida Atlantic or Furman or Nevada or Yale or or Iona or Oral Roberts, Seton Hall, one of those take a take a W and and Kansas State ends up playing one of them because I, I like that matchup way better. But geez, Kansas State to Michigan State to Tennessee to a potential matchup with either Purdue, Miami, UConn, or Arkansas. Nah, bruh. Uh, that's that's just a major oof. That's a major L to me. So anyway, all right, John, we have we have five minutes. Or you have less than five minutes. You got four minutes, 20 seconds. It's 420. Let's go. Okay. Um, so go ahead and uh, go ahead and give me your top four in each uh, category. All right. South region, Bama's all, overall number one. NATO's doing a great job. I'm just not fully, fully uh, putting my trust into Kelvin Sampson Houston just yet. But Bama's overall number one. Marquette's number two. Texas is number three. Indiana's number four. I like Indiana to upset Alabama in the Sweet 16. Okay. I, I, think will, that, I see that. I, I could see that. See that. Uh, in the Midwest region in Kansas City, I have Houston as my number one seed. They'd be the closest team. Uh, I mean, Kansas City would be the closest site for them. They would probably have the advantage over Kansas as well since for record, for records uh, show for it. Uh, Houston's number one. Baylor's number two. Arizona's number three. Tennessee's number four. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think the reason why I don't have K-State in, in the Midwest region is that they probably want to value Houston's home court advantage uh, to put uh, 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 to put them in Kansas City. So probably put another team in Texas there as well. West region, KU's number one, UCLA's number two, Gonzaga three, Xavier four. Uh, I, I don't know why. I'm just seeing K, KU kind of getting out of there. Uh, if, if it is for top four teams in the Sweet 16. Uh, I'm in the East. Kind of, kind of what Joe Lenardi has. He, I, 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 Purdue, uh, K State, UConn, and Virginia, uh, uh, all in the East region. It's a pretty loaded bracket. Just, just what I'm gonna pull out, uh, pull out of my ass on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fascinating because according to ESPN, here's how well you did. So, uh, just list off your your South teams one more time. Give me, give me your South teams. Alabama, Marquette, Texas, Indiana. Okay, this is what ESPN has: Alabama, Texas, Marquette. Indiana. I put Ooh, Texas. I put Texas as a three seed. Because Same teams, fun. but the three and four seeds are flipped. Texas has fallen off. A hit me. Bit. Hit me with the Midwest again. Uh, Houston, Baylor, Arizona, Tennessee. Okay, they have Houston, Baylor, Arizona, Xavier. Mm. That's who they have in the Midwest. All right, give me the West one more time. Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, Xavier. Yeah, this is Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, Virginia. I, I was I was on the verge of flipping Houston and KU. Mm, okay, and then, because they always want to get the most amount of ticket sales. And then give me give me the East one more time. Purdue, K State, UConn, Virginia. Okay, and then it's Purdue, K State, Tennessee, UConn. 
So that's okay. that's who we got. John, you're on fire, dude. On fire. Good, where bro. where can where can we find your full bracketology? Uh, it's gonna be on Twitter at John Grovo two minus the H. It will come out in just a little bit. Sounds but, good, Jasmine. Uh, where are we finding you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Jasmine three H. That is J A Z S M I N the number three and H. You can find me at K G Van Camp V A N C A M P. Like the pork and beans. Unfortunately, I'm not the heir to a pork and beans dynasty. Um, and then I lastly. Appreciate you tuning in on Training Camp. The podcast, uh, that's been kind of blowing up recently. I really appreciate everybody who's like, hey, missed it on Thursday night. Going to go tune in. It's been a lot of fun. Keep uploading them. Stick around. You can find it at anchor.fm slash tc-w-kvc, or you can just look up Training Camp with Colby Van Camp on Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever you're getting your podcast, that's where you can find it. Uh, so tune in with us here on Training Camp with Colby Van Camp. Really appreciate you doing so. Stick around for tomorrow's episode of Training Camp with Colby Van Camp. A little exclusive with Cole Carmody. Looking forward, or not Cole Carmody, Cole Manbeck. My bad. Cole Manbeck. Uh, a lot of great Coles in uh, K-State Media these days. So appreciate everybody tuning in. It's been an absolutely fun evening with you guys tonight.